Welcome to Beyond the Block with Brother Jones and Brother Knox, centering the marginalized in Mormonism. Eric, how are you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm doing well. Awesome, man. We are very lucky today to have Danielle Calder joining us. She is, uh, well, I don't know if it's the curator or one of the curators of the Our Mother in Heaven Instagram page, but uh, we got put on to her some time ago. Some of our listeners wanted to have more discussions on Heavenly Mother. I remember I actually came across one of uh, one of the posts from the page because one of my favorite artists was uh, was put on there. Her particular depiction of Heavenly Mother. So uh, it is uh, quite a privilege to be able to talk about this work you're doing, Danielle, as well as all of the, you know, all of the conversations we are starting about Heavenly Mother that have been sparked by the work that you are doing. So thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's such a privilege and honor. I listen to your podcast and have just been blown away at the conversations. And I really appreciate the intersectionality that you discuss. Appreciate it because, you know, Derek and I, we're not all that intersectional. I think I personally, I'll speak for myself, only have like one marginalized identity at any given time. So like, you know, that's one of the challenges of doing what we do here. And one of the reasons we'd like to have these conversations is because we know that Derek and I certainly can't cover everything. So getting an opportunity to have conversations that we are not, for lack of a better word, conditioned to have is uh, definitely a privilege. So thank you for making time to uh, join us for this conversation. It is, uh, it's really important and we support you in what you're doing and uh, hope that more people can simply, you know, join in on the conversation and be put onto what you're doing. Thank you. So um, first of all, I'm going to ask a direct question about the account. How did this come about exactly? I created this account 2016 And I was just in a place in my life where I was really missing Heavenly Mother, going to church, going to meetings, and just being like, what the heck? Where is the pavilion that is hiding Heavenly Mother? Where is she? And I felt really isolated in feeling that void and started to open up to a few close friends about this, realized they feel very similarly, and... I was afraid to bring it up in my other circles, like with my ward, with my family, with a broader circle of friends. So I created this account. Honestly, so many of the things I create in my life are when I'm mad or irritated. (laughs) I'm like, get frustrated. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to do something and then I do something. So I created this account and I would post on there whenever I felt inspired or frustrated. And it really was just for me and a few other people. And it was really helpful just to have an area where I could share my testimony and share questions that I had. When it really took off is when I commented through that account on a post from the church, uh, the church's Instagram, and then people started following it and then it really picked up really after I finished graduate school and had more time and was posting regularly. But um, at first I was very hidden in the account. I didn't ever say my name. I never used I pronouns. I said, you know, them, we, whatever it was, but it took me a little while before I really put my face behind it and started to own it and started to have the conversations about Heavenly Mother in person that I was having behind the screen. So what I hear is it started out not so much as a project about anybody else, but like you and a few other people, like you more did this as a method of um, 
uh, healing's the wrong word, but kind of, uh, like, I don't know. This was like your own ministry to yourself almost. That's how it started, it sounds like. And eventually, like, when it picked up, you said, it became much bigger than you, and you just kind of leaned into that. Do I understand that correctly? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, is I figured certainly there are other people that feel this way, so let me go find them. And then there were no accounts about Heavenly Mother. And I mean, you think about Mm -hmm. how many accounts there are for Mormons, LDS people, Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father. And so just was like, might as well be me. For real. And now what I love about the account is that we have so many guest submissions. We have guest posts. I'm not the only one creating the content. I'll curate it. I'll organize it and, and edit it. But it's a very much a collaborative effort. Artists, um, poets, all of the things that really make it um, so much more beautiful than anything I could do on my own. Mm. That's actually how I came to uh, find the account was... Uh... One of my favorite artists, Melissa Kamba Boggs, she has a brilliant uh, depiction of Heavenly Mother as a black woman. And I was like, yo, let me see where that got reposted. And lo and behold, our Heavenly Mother was the page. And I was like, oh, look at all of this. So many different depictions of Heavenly Mother. And that was the other thing I really liked about the page is just the various depictions of Heavenly Mother and obviously their implications or the implications of those depictions. Was there any particular uh, impetus for that deliberate, like it feels certainly like a deliberate decision to feature different depictions of Heavenly Mother? Can you say a little bit more about that? Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging that and recognizing that. That is something that's so important to me. I think one of the really cool things with Heavenly Mother is we don't often have a lot of commentary about her. There aren't a lot of images about her. And I think that really opens us up to our own imagination and conceptualize. (laughs) You guys help me out. Conceptualization. Conceptualization. Thank you. Of Heavenly Mother. And I just, I think it's so important that we can see ourselves in deity with whatever that looks like. And so not only, you know, different races, but different hairstyles, different ages, different body sizes. I think is just important, different heights even, and and making it a place where everyone can see themselves. And that's why we will rotate the profile pictures every few months. And we also have a highlight bubble just on diverse art. And we've also had conversations on there about white, you know, pictures of a white Jesus and how a lot of us find that really troublesome mm-hmm. and just how it's really important to have that diversity. Definitely. Definitely. That was the first thing I thought of actually when you, uh, when I was able to acknowledge and notice the different depiction, I was like, Hey, they got all these depictions of heavenly mother as different body types, different colors, all this other stuff. And we're still worshiping a white Jesus and only depicting that like that has implications. And I think I felt that on a more visceral level when I came across your account, I was like, Oh, this actually stirs something in me seeing heavenly mother as somebody that looks like me. And I was like, oh my gosh, a deity that has a different color. Like I've always known it, but rarely do I like feel it so viscerally that deity that looks like me actually means something. So like, I really appreciated being able to see those images. And again, it's why I noticed the account and why I ended up following it myself. But I want to backpedal one more time to something you said earlier about how you felt not really able to have the conversation about Heavenly Mother in your 
in your actual church circles, like not in your ward. And I don't remember, did you say your family too? Like you couldn't really talk about Heavenly Mother in spaces like your with 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 certain friends of yours or certain or your ward like can you say a little bit more about that and why you think that is yeah and i think you know you bringing me back to that stage that i was in a few years ago it brings up a lot of feelings for me because i'm in such a different place now okay and i go on the internet and i you know stand up for a testimony meeting and i it's just so different but at the time there there is shame around this topic and it just breaks my heart that it feels uncomfortable. It feels like, you know, I was doing something wrong or I was being disgraceful to Heavenly Mother by saying her her name or saying God the Mother it was wrong. I was anti-Mormon, you know, and I think there was that f- so much fear around what other people thought of me. And I, I love my family. And now, you know, all of my siblings have posted on the account and my parents and they all follow and support. But just at the time, I had to work through a lot of that discomfort. And what really helped me was to challenge the myths that I grew up believing. For example, she's too sacred to talk about. There are multiple heavenly mothers. You shouldn't talk about her. It's wrong to think about her. And to kind of go through my own journey with that and ask those questions in prayer to Heavenly Father, follow that up with the research, that helped me to work through a lot of that discomfort. All right. Thank you for sharing that. We feel like that's a fairly common, or at least I'll speak for myself, Derek. I feel like that's a fairly common sentiment in uh, within the church where people feel that shame. And I'm glad you like use that word because I feel like there is a lot of shame surrounding uh, even the necessity of wanting to talk about Heavenly Mother or the necessity of other conversations we need to have in the church, that if we feel a kind of way that certain conversations are not being had, that we shouldn't voice those because... That is simply not what we do in the, because that is simply not what we do in the church. We don't talk about Heavenly Mother for a reason. We don't talk about other topics for a reason, like LGBTQ stuff or race stuff, or, you know, the patriarchy throttling our growth as a church. Like we don't talk about any of that stuff and there's shame around it because like you said, there's this notion that wanting to have those conversations may imply that we are somehow less faithful and those are some serious myths that we have to that we have to dispel that we have to confront in order to have what i feel are necessary conversations and like including that of heavenly mother so uh thank you for sharing that yeah i'm curious about something so i didn't grow up in the church tell me how you think all these constructs got into place that prevent people from talking about heavenly mother or depicting her no pressure <laughs> i think in the church I'll just speak for myself, but I don't want to. I want to speak for everyone. (laughs) I know better than that, but I'm like, this is what everyone else does. I'm different. Um, Sometimes there is this need to have an answer. And when we don't have an answer, it feels so uncomfortable. And so we create answers that are untrue. And every time someone asks the question, they get the same answer that is incorrect. For example, why don't we talk about Heavenly Mother? Okay, this one person one time was like, well, she's too sacred to talk about. And then it just gets passed around. And I wish that there was more, it was more normal in our culture to say, I don't know. We don't know. You should pray about it. Let me help you pray about it. Let me tell you what I found when I prayed about it. All right. I like it. Nice, succinct. (laughs) That's, that's great. Um, I, I just to kind of continue too. I think 
I think people, people do ask those questions, but, but they are shut down and they're really shamed for asking. How dare you ask a question like that? How dare you ask something that's not already being talked about in general conference? There must be something wrong. You're doing something incorrect. You're looking beyond the mark. And I think a lot of times we operate out of fear. I know I do. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm working on it to not be afraid to ask those questions and to not be afraid of owning that I had that void and that I was really dissatisfied with the lessons that I had and, and the sacrament meeting talks, just like, how is this mother's day? And you did not even talk about heavenly mother. Like, how is that allowed in the church? That should be illegal, right? Like mm -hmm. what is going on? So like why, um, like kind of going on the opposite side of that point, instead of feeling that shame, uh, can you talk a little bit more about why this conversation needs to happen? Like this is, I know it's a bit of a, I mean, this might be obvious to you, but we do have listeners who are not conditioned to have this conversation about Heavenly Mother. Um, and we want to be able to at least come at this from a little bit of a dummy's perspective as why we should be having these conversations, why the conversations about Heavenly Mother are necessary and how that can inform and strengthen our faith as uh, members of the church and as disciples of Christ. Thank you. Yes. And I think that is so important. And I appreciate you kind of redirecting a little bit because I, it's really important to me that on the account and just in these conversations that I don't shame people on either side. When people don't want to talk about Heavenly Mother and they feel like that is how they show her sacredness and respect, I want to respect their decision to do that. And I think it does come from a good place. And so to normalize that discomfort is really important to me and just to validate it. Um, I think that what it really comes down to, and there are quotes about this, that um, this is from Elder Oaks. He says, our theology begins with heavenly parents. Our highest aspiration is to be like them. And I think just when we look at the really big picture with the plan of salvation, the pre-mortal world, how we were intelligences that were organized before the world was, we have to start with both God the Mother and God the Father. To ignore Heavenly Mother is to have a misunderstanding of our creation and of our existence at the most fundamental level. That is a whole bar. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> Please okay. do. I mean, I just, I, it's, I've had to really think about how to answer this question because it's almost so obvious to me that I have a hard time articulating it. But I think it, that's really where it starts with. It also starts with just the body that I'm in as a cisgender female. Like I am created in the image of a woman. I'm not created in the image of Heavenly Father, you know, not really. And I think too, it's just my image, my features. It's, it is literally in my DNA. Do you know what I mean? And to not understand or to not represent or to not include Heavenly Mother feels so inaccurate to me. And that is sort of the place that I've, I've got where to just talk about Heavenly Father, it really feels inaccurate. And there, there's not really another way for me to describe it. It just feels very incomplete. So I want to just ask a question about, for you, what are the sources of knowledge and the sources of imagination or wisdom or information that you have about Heavenly Mother? Great question. For me, what what this this whole journey really started with giving myself to ponder about Heavenly Mother. It was like International Women's Day four years ago, and I created this post about Heavenly Mother. And the really only clear instruction we have from church leaders is that we shouldn't pray to her. 
nothing else has ever been said by anyone credible, you know, from the church, published by the church, a, per, a church publication that has any other parameters. And so that would allow us to talk about her, to ponder about her, to think about her, all of the things. So once I finally got through that block of shame, then I could and imagine and I could wonder. And I kind of did that on my own. And then I went online and in the books and in the talks and read all the things. And really in that order, because I think for me, and this is like getting so deep, but I had a fear of what I would find out about Heavenly Mother. Like I would rather not research it. I would rather not read about it if it was going to tell me something I didn't want to hear. For example, that maybe she didn't really exist and that was just like a fancy thing someone said once or that there are multiple heavenly mothers and heavenly fathers of polygamists. I did not even want to open up that can of worms. But once I was finally in a place emotionally where I could kind of handle whatever I found, I was willing to read about it. And then I've, I've read and I've continued to read for the last four years and I've never run out of articles or books. And it's like every week I find something new to explore, a book to check out, whatever it is. And just being okay with that unknown. Speaking of what the leaders have talked to us or said about Heavenly Mother, one thing I've noticed about uh, this Instagram account is you often use, you know, the words of our leaders and the scriptures in the conversations about Heavenly Mother. But something that I do remember seeing once and uh, wanting to talk a little bit more about was cultivating a relationship with her. Uh, can you say more about, uh, well, I suppose, I can't reference the particular post, but I do want to ask you specifically about how we cultivate a relationship with Heavenly Mother. Thank you. I think that's such a great question. It's something I'm still figuring out for myself. I think what I have recommended to people in the past and what I've done with my, my own worship is to ponder to Heavenly Mother. If praying doesn't feel comfortable, if praying is, is, um, goes against what President Hinckley taught us in, I believe, the 90s, then let's not pray to her. Well, then let's ponder to her. What conversations would you have with her if you could? What do you think she looks like? How do you think that she would respond to you? What what does your relationship feel like with her? And that is always, I feel like, the best way to start with cultivating a relationship is just to imagine what it what it could be like, what it might be like, what it used to be, what it would be in the future. And also understanding that, at least for me, she is my ultimate example. I, I follow Jesus Christ so that I can eventually become like Heavenly Mother. And that is where it started. And that's where hopefully it will end for me if I choose to continue on this path and ultimately go to the celestial kingdom. And that answers uh, basically my only other big question, which is like, how do we, how do we go after her? How do we seek her? You know, just... And uh, I wanted to ask you, because you brought this up as well, but I wanted to talk specifically about people like us who are not conditioned to seek after Heavenly Mother, because obviously we are not women. And therefore, even though the implications for us are more or less the same as all God's children, like we all need to have a relationship, we're just not conditioned to because we already see ourselves in deity. So like there is that bias, there's that blind spot. Uh, what would you say to uh, men specifically, like we've already talked about this particular purpose of seeking Heavenly Mother, but uh, just for the sake of being thorough, is there anything in particular you would want to say to men and boys about their relationship with Heavenly Mother and about uh, cultivating that relationship? Yeah, I think what I would say is imagine that you 
are a woman in the church and everything you've ever heard is about heavenly father. And it's like, you know, let me start over. That was the wrong analogy. Okay. Can you ask that question again? I like reverse it in my head. You're saying, what would I tell men and boys Yes. about the relationship? Okay. So as a female in the church, I have a very strong relationship with heavenly father. This is so much of what I taught was taught growing up from such an early age. So many beautiful hymns, so many beautiful primary songs about heavenly father. And that relationship is really important to me. And I think that it would be equally important for boys and men to develop a relationship with Heavenly Father, just like it's important for me as a female to learn. Am I, did I just say it wrong too? I'm no, it's fine. It around. <laughs> I think you okay, meant to I say Heavenly say. Mother. <laughs> um, I kind of want to ask you guys that question. I mean, I'll answer it, but I also want to ask you. Um, sorry, you're going to have to do so much editing. It's fine. <laughs> I think it's really important for boys and men to develop a relationship with Heavenly Mother. I think that one of the keys to gender equality in the church is to recognize the divine female. I think that's essential. I think that we each are, you know, made up of part of Heavenly Mother and part of Heavenly Father. Again, it's like, it's in how we were created. It's in how our spirits were created. So I just think it's essential. And I know that for me as a female, I have developed a relationship with Heavenly Father for my entire life with hymns and with primary songs and with lessons and, and through prayer, that is a really important relationship for me to have. And I think all of us, regardless of gender, would also benefit from getting to know Heavenly Mother and to understanding her. And I don't see it as a women's issue necessarily. It sort of bothers me when that happens because I think it trivializes Heavenly Mother to this fringe, trendy, feminist movement. And are you kidding me? I mean, I am a feminist, of course, but she is so much more than that. And I think to whittle it down to only think that this is important for girls and women, it, 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 it really kind of bothers me a little bit. Honestly, I think it's sweet um, to be like, oh yeah, it's really important for you, but it's important for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's a quality. Yeah. I'm curious about something. So it seems to me that the culture in the church, at least in the correlated and more prominent materials, is that the concept of Heavenly Mother really only gets deployed to serve a piece in the exaltation story of straight men. Like that's the whole perhaps historical origin of why people needed to have a slot for Heavenly Mother, and that's really how it gets deployed uh, by the non-feminists in the church. So what do you, how would you respond to that? What do you think, uh, what do you think about that? So there is a post on this recently and I, I address this idea because I, I'm so grateful for every single quote we ever have about heavenly mother, mother in heaven. I cherish all of them. Some of the really early ones from the early 1900s basically say, of course, heavenly mother exists because Heavenly Father wouldn't be God without a wife. And so it's like, okay, great, thank you. And also, right, like so much more than that. And I, it's not enough for me just to be like, well, of course she exists because Heavenly Father needs, needs a bay, right? Like that just, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, okay, cool. But 
I just, I think it just, imagine if you were defined by your relationship status and your marital status, like, excuse me, you know what I mean? So I think that is maybe the beginning for some people that might be how they rationalize or like logically defer. I mean, in logically infer that there is a God, the mother, but there's just so much more to it than that. And I think that it's just upsetting when it gets minimized. Definitely. Do you want to ask it again, Derek? I don't know if I, (laughs) if I answered you. No, I mean, I think the follow-up question obviously is, what about the uh, the situation of LGBT individuals in the church? Because we can see how there's a divide and conquer type of oppression going on where, where straight women are sort of pitted against LGBTs and then Heavenly Mother becomes a battleground for that. Whereas Heavenly Mother can be used to reinforce a heterosexual norm and in fact a heterosexual understanding of deity and our purpose. And then LGBTs get left out of that. So there's a sense in which Heavenly Mother has a great potential for straight feminism, but then can also be used as a weapon against LGBT individuals. So how would you respond to that? Or how would you get around that wrong usage or function of the concept of Heavenly Mother? That I mean, and I want to hear both of you also what your takes are on that question. That is a question that I have been asking especially over the last six and seven months as I've been posting those quotes. And I've been seeking out those conversations and and I'm still interested in having more. But I think what we need to understand is that when we talk about Heavenly Mother, I'll just speak for myself. I need to look past what she means to me and consider what she means to other people as well. And not be taking the quotes that I like to serve my purpose to make me feel better about myself and my eternal potential and to use that quote against somebody or to use it to exclude i think is just totally missing the point and that it makes me sad that those quotes and even what i post might perpetuate that heteronormative expectation um within the celestial kingdom and it does it does exclude you know what i mean and sometimes i wonder should we be saying heavenly parents should we be emphasizing heavenly parents using they pronouns instead? I don't know what the answer is, but it's definitely something I've been thinking about. Okay, I'm going to go before Derek on this one. I um like honestly, I just see a lot of queer stuff happening in the Bible anyway, like the the creation of the world, the garden of Eden, like there's just a lot of you're really telling me that the creation of this world and the creation of the first humans was done by basically three dudes. I'm just like are we going to have a conversation about that at all? I don't just, I don't want to go. I mean, I don't want to be blasphemous, but there's just a lot of room for uh, queer stories and coming out narratives all throughout um, the story of the creation, even of the atonement um, through several of these stories throughout the book of Mormon. Even I, like I haven't looked into them, but I remember just talking about some of the new Testament narratives with Derek last year. There is a lot of queer themes throughout them. So like, I'm not totally of the opinion, and this is just based on my understanding of both Heavenly Mother and queer theology, but I'm just like, I don't think that a Heavenly Mother does the job of, I mean, it can obviously do the job of homophobia, but I already think that the mere existence of a Heavenly Mother lets us know that there are other identities in deity, which in and of itself is very liberating for 
for uh, queer people. Now, that's not to say the conversation ends there. That has to be explored some more, and I have to do that work myself. But I do want to just uh, bring out what I feel is a potential for more narratives of people of other sexualities, other gender identities, to be brought in as a result of the existence of a Heavenly Mother. I think that's all I can say about that for now. Yeah, and I'd like to speak from my positionality and my limitations as a gay man in the church. Because what I don't want to have have happen is for gay men in the church to minimize or erase Heavenly Mother out of a reaction to how she's been used against us. So instead, I have some several imaginative ways of framing this, and I'm not saying any of these is absolute knowledge, but it's sort of some just curiosities. One question I have is, well, maybe Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother are both bi and they just ended up together. Like, we have no idea for sure that they're straight. They could be a bi man and a bi woman together, right? And I think it's a heteronormative assumption that they're both straight. The second thing to do is, well, I wrote a poem once. Uh, I'm not going to name the title of the poem because it's kind of controversial. But I wrote a poem that imagined that Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother came from a planet where everyone was gay, or like 95% of the people were gay, and Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother were the odd ones out, and they had to come out as straight, and they were rejected for being straight, and they were told that they couldn't be exalted, and then they were. So they were relatively the queer ones on their planet. So I didn't erase Heavenly Mother, but I framed it as they were the, the outsiders in a world where... Um, being gay or lesbian was the norm. And so that, I think, is just an interesting way of reframing it. And then another way of framing it is drawing upon one of the presentations I gave at the Society of Biblical Literature annual meeting in 2008. It was, the title of my talk was uh, Reading the Song of Songs Allegorically as a Dialogue Between Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother. And I wanted to reclaim Heavenly Mother's voice and description in the scriptures. And so I did this by looking at the Song of Songs, where you have a very prominent woman's voice. She names what she wants. She names what she finds desirable. She names her own consent. She has the first words and the last words in the in the whole book. Um, there are more words given to her than any other character. And so I just loved reading this hypothetically and allegorically as the words of Heavenly Mother. And we got a description of her and, and her, her words. And I think what was so beautiful about the relationship is that when the, the male and female characters in the song justify their relationship, they don't say, well, what we're doing is right because we're straight. They said what we're doing is right because we are passionately attracted to one another. And I think that has value for those of us who are queer in the church because that's how our love is justified, is based on our consent and our attraction with one another. That's exactly what the voice of Heavenly Mother in the Song of Songs does. She articulates what she wants and what she finds beautiful and what she's ready for, and that is the only justification of their relationship they give. So reframing this in terms of Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, well, so what if they're a straight couple? It's still not good for humans to be alone, as Genesis 2 teaches us. 
And what ends up happening is it's actually kind of a queer take on it. If they're straight, then sure, I have no problem with straight people. And therefore, I have no problem with Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother being straight. But they're only one example of, of an exalted couple and one out of millions or billions of exalted couples. And we could hypothetically assume that some of those are going to be straight couples. Some of those are going to be gay. Some of those are going to be lesbian. Because there's something beautiful about the exaltation of the particular. We have just one particular example here, but that could happen to any of us, including me, who is created in the image of God just as much as straight people. So there's got to be something queer in the larger concept of deity. If there's not, then I'm not in the image of God. So that's another way I've reframed it. Thank you, Derek. I think that those are all just such beautiful thoughts. So thank you for sharing that. I think what you're really speaking towards also is how much we don't know. And I think that that needs to be emphasized in these conversations. And I think it's really encouraging. We can't pretend to know that Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father, like you said, are straight or are, you know, even cisgender. We we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm always so, I try to be so intentional about not sharing things that I think might happen. I try to be really mindful with this account to make it very clear when I'm sharing quotes from church leaders versus when I'm exploring. And I think that distinction can be really helpful. Let's look at what we do know, and then let's look at all of what we don't know. And let's not take the few little pieces of information that we do know to paint the rest of the picture because there's a really good chance that we're going to be wrong. And in a podcast that you did, I don't know how long ago it was, we talked, you guys talked about that, how policies will change, things that we never thought would happen happen in the church, and just being comfortable with that unknown, I think, can really alleviate a lot of the discomfort that certain groups might feel around this topic. So I'm curious what you have learned about from queer women and how they've approached Heavenly Mother because they're at the intersection of, of both of those categories and may have a very precious insight into this very divide that we've been talking about. Absolutely. And a lot of the thoughts that have been shared with me have come through direct messages and then also guest posts. And also Instagram Live collaboration. So this comment comes from Emma Gee, who is, or she graduated from BYU. She's a queer student. She's a runner. She has a book, I believe, that's coming out. She says, we project the love we experience into our understanding of salvation. Heavenly mother and father love each other and they love their children. They believe in this love so much that they created a plan in which their children's love could be eternal. This applies to all of their children and all kinds of love. The love between mother and child is just as eternal as the love between a husband and a wife or a wife and a wife. And then she added, there is a strong chance heteronormative perceptions have limited eternal truths regarding love and salvation. That is a whole bar. Like you, you see that across the board with different stuff, but yeah, certainly with, um, certainly with heteronormativity, certainly with conversations around Heavenly Mother. And you you actually alluded to this uh, earlier in the episode where you basically said something along the lines of how much we could stand or how much we do limit ourselves in our inability to talk about Heavenly Mother or our inability to talk about the divine feminine in general. Yes. 
Definitely. I want to ask a question about how to talk about Heavenly Mother strategically in LDS spaces. Because I think there's a, a couple of tensions that you have to juggle. You mentioned them earlier. There's this idea of shame or taboo around talking about her. So how do you talk about her enough in, in a way to be somewhat subversive, but also not in a way that gets shut down? Absolutely. And this is something I'm working on in my entire life and my strategy for things. And then certainly when it comes to Heavenly Mother in my spheres of influence in person and online. And for me, I think too, the reason why I was so quiet at the beginning when I first started thinking about Heavenly Mother is because I didn't want my comments to come out of frustration or irritation or anger. I didn't want to say, well, what about me? Well, what about women? Well, what about Heavenly Mother? That didn't feel comfortable to me. So I did need to do a lot of healing on my own where when I spoke in, in, um, ward conference and when I gave that relief society lesson, I was really coming from my highest self and not my wounded self, not from a place of, of a rejection. And so for me, what has really helped is to first learn about the information that is out there and then quote it. I, gave a lesson in Relief Society. This is the first lesson that I included Heavenly Mother in, and it was about the Godhead. So we reviewed the Godhead. We talked about this great talk from General Conference. And then I said, there is a fourth person that we don't often talk about, and that is Heavenly Mother. So let's talk about her. And I had a PowerPoint and I said, every single thing I share is going to be from the church's website current information on the church's website. And I pulled up the information from the gospel topics essay, A Mother There, or I think it's called Mother in Heaven, and just quoted from that. And I had, this is a ward in Provo, right next to BYU, a lot of older members. And I had several people after, you know, 80 plus year old women be like, oh my gosh, thank you. I've never had a lesson like this in my entire life. And when you told me that it was coming from the church's website, I was able to relax and listen instead of being defensive or being like, is this true or not? You know, how does this hold up with what I believed? So I think that's a, that's a huge part of what I do on my account as well is I will quote general officers, right? And that's the change from this past conference. We're saying general officers instead of general board members or whatever. So prophets, apostles, young women's leaders, you know, general young women's leaders, all of the things like that. And that I have found to be so helpful, especially for people who only feel comfortable hearing from prophets. You can't, you can't lie with a quote from a prophet about heavenly mother, you know, and there's a quote from the 1900s talking about how there's one heavenly mother and one heavenly father. And when people are bringing up questions about polygamy, eternal polygamy, well, let's look at what the prophet said. That gets to another question about leadership in the church and who's telling the story. Do you think there's a connection between a lack of visibility and knowledge around Heavenly Mother and a lack of visibility and empowerment of women as leaders in the church. Yes, I, I think so for sure. And I think one thing that 
is brought to mind is that the young women's theme changed recently from we are loving daughters of heavenly father to we are loving daughters of heavenly mother or I wish of heavenly parents, which is great. I'm grateful for that. And the young men's theme did not change to include heavenly mother. And so I think that again goes to this notion, well, she's important for women or because there were female leaders that contributed to the theme changing. That's why it happened. But maybe because women are not helping to influence the young men's theme, that change was not included. So I'll take whatever I can get and I'll be grateful for all of it. But I absolutely do think that as more women are in leadership positions within the church and become more visible, that we will naturally hear about Heavenly Mother more. Because I think it is safe to say that most of the conversations about Heavenly Mother, you know, in our day and age are coming from women beginning the discussions. Then that gets to the role of how can men be better accomplices and uh, serve the mission of feminism in the church? Where can we use our voices and how can we do that to talk about Heavenly Mother more? Yes, I I think what I, what, what people have shared with me and from my own experience as well, when we just start mentioning her, it is helpful in a, in a talk, in a prayer, whatever it is, we're grateful that we have the knowledge of a mother in heaven who loves us. Heavenly mother and heavenly father love us. Anything that you can do whenever you're talking about God to include he and she pronouns or they pronouns, if you, you know, depending on what, what that looks like for you to just name drop heavenly mother. I mean, that alone is so important. I've had people send me long DMs saying that their state president got up in state conference and mentioned Heavenly Mother's name and how much that meant to this sister. Just that feeling of inclusion. And I think there are so many opportunities to talk about her. Anytime we're talking about God, we can include Heavenly Mother and Heavenly Father in that discussion, right? I'm not claiming that Heavenly Mother was in um, the Sacred Grove, but or that she, you know, was the one to say certain things to people throughout the scriptures. But pretty much in every other situation, when we are talking about God, we can talk about both of them because they both love us. They both sent us to earth. Jesus Christ is both of their son. You know, we have quotes on here saying that Heavenly Mother helped to create the plan of salvation, that she sent us to earth, that she wants us to return to live with her again. So I think there are really natural ways just to be inclusive. And I think that's a great start. And that uh, kind of gets back to a question that Derek had asked earlier, but uh, the implications of a heavenly mother that is directly involved in every aspect of the creation and every aspect of the ministry to, you know, the whole of the human family, that creates space for, you know, female leadership in the church, which obviously we could badly use right now. Just, I feel like we're wasting you know, half the talent that we have available to us. And I feel like simply having the conversation about a heavenly mother and her involvement in every aspect of the, you know, of heavenly father's ministry to the human family would be paved by simply mentioning heavenly mother and making sure she's involved in every conversation when it comes to our relationship with our heavenly parents. So I really like that idea. That's wishful thinking, but I think it'll, uh, I think it'll do something positive. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm curious. I probably just have one more question, and it's about, do you see 
any sources in the scriptures, in the canonized scriptures, for information about Heavenly Mother? Or do you think that's even a useful way of approaching it? Or what would be the, if you see any connections between Heavenly Mother and the scriptures? Because that's another, totally. quote, safe way of presenting something to Latter-day Saints. Absolutely. So I will be really honest with this. So my mission president, hi, President Packard, I love you so much. He was the first one that taught me about Elohim. The Elohim is a plural pronoun for male and female gods. Amazing, right? We hear about the word Elohim in the temple. It's in the scriptures. I think that is a phenomenal realization. I have also had a friend who I hold very highly in my head as one of the smartest people I know, explain to me that that is a misunderstanding with the word Elohim and that it is referring to Heavenly Father. And she feels that we should not just kind of lump Heavenly Mother in with Elohim and be like, oh, well, she's in there. Um, I have mixed feelings about it. I kind of like my mission president's idea that she is included in that word. So there are scriptures about this. There are also articles that you can read about Elohim and how Elohim is in the first book of scripture ever in Genesis 1.1. We are created in the image of God. Um, and in the Hebrew translation, that is Elohim is the word for God from what I understand. Also, I have a highlight bubble. I'm pulling it up on my account. So I was reading in 3 Nephi 13.9. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And there is a footnote, and when you go to the footnote, um, it says, God the Father, Elohim. And I think that's really beautiful, because if if that's what you choose to interpret Elohim as male and female, I believe that Heavenly Mother is included in this scripture. And it's so beautiful, because this is coming from the Savior. This is coming from how the Savior prayed while he was on earth. So I think there are ways to to, to find her in those texts, for sure. Uh, Danielle, do you have any final thoughts you want to share with us before we, uh, before we end today? Yeah, I think just some tidbits of how to learn more about Heavenly Mother, because this is a question a lot. I think another one of the myths that we have is that we don't know a lot about her. And I actually think that that's not true because in all of my years of study, I'm still coming across more information. But some good places to start are the Mother in Heaven gospel essay on the church's website, the BYU Studies article, A Mother There. And that also what I love about that is it not only compiles quotes, but also addresses myths and why certain cultural beliefs have started. Our account also has a lot of good content. Seeking Heavenly Mother is another account on Instagram, and they have a website as well that compiles submissions. So those are some good places to start for sure. And I I just want to bear my testimony, if that's okay, about Heavenly Mother and just that I really believe that she loves us. And I think that for me, it has really rebooted my spirituality to include her. And I think it is 
just so I'm so grateful that we have this knowledge and this information. And I believe that this doctrine has the power to heal us. I also think it has a power to bring a lot of people into the church. I just think it's so beautiful that in 2020, you know, Ariana Grande, I guess it was last year. She has one of her hit songs is God is woman. And that's the chorus. And I think sometimes people think, Oh, we shouldn't talk about heavenly mother. Cause it's going to freak people out. And you know, we don't want to be too weird as Mormons, but really this is the time to embrace this doctrine. This is the time to develop that relationship. And I hope that it can continue to happen. First of all, I'm so happy that we were able to draw a gospel parallel between what we're doing today and Ariana Grande. Like I did not think that was going to happen today, but I'm totally here for it. So thank you. And uh, also finally, thank you for sharing that with us, um, that information and also your testimony about Heavenly Mother. It is it is very necessary, and it is a conversation I hope we keep having in the church, a conversation that I hope other people are more empowered to have in the church as a result of our conversation here, and that uh, and that it bodes well for further conversations within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints concerning our relationship with each other and our relationship with deity. So thank you, Daniel Calder, for joining us today on Beyond the Block to talk Heavenly Mother. Again, just for your guys' benefit, that account is Our Mother in Heaven on Instagram. Just all one word, Our Mother in Heaven. And uh, that other account she noted was, we'll put it in the notes as well, Seeking Heavenly Mother. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation, and I hope it sparks pondering and conversations among our listeners. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Brother Jones and Brother Knox. It was great to talk to you and to hear your perspectives on this.